0: his house because he's isolated by himself and if he did like it's
1: our house (laughs) (laughs) ridiculous Cat. And I'm Gabe. And, and we're we The Ghouls, ghouls next, next Door.
0: door. Talk, Talk about USB and we unison.
1: We did it. Yeah, you just have to be confident. You just have to go into it confident and then it works. Yeah. That's all it takes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes, happy February still. Um, we are continuing our For the Culture series. Uh, last week was uh, kind of fun and it was a kids film and it was like wacky and vampires and gentrification and oh so fun uh this week yeah, not there so were sad much
0: parts, uh <laughs> but there were also fun parts where i feel like this is just kind of returning back to sad times whole times
1: yeah but doing a really good job of what we love about horror i think oh for true overall kind of thing is that we are seeing a film that i think is is top up there of like this is how you do horror and trauma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's just that. Um, And so today we're going to be talking about his house, which is a a story about uh, South uh, Sudan refugees who seek um, to immigrate to the UK um, and have all kinds of trauma and things that they're dealing with um, by Remy Weeks. So we felt it would be important to kind of highlight their experience that is being represented on screen, um, mm-hmm. not just like what we're seeing with the spooks and stuff. So for Cat's History Corner that we're gonna hop into, uh, we are gonna be talking about that immigrant experience um, as well as you know what compels people to leave and what needs to change um, in the countries that people are seeking refuge in mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So
0: like usual, our media is saying something like His House is a film focused on a couple from war-torn South Sudan and their journey to England. The story is about real things. This is like real current, like extra current is happening, like within 2017 to now. So just so you know, if you didn't know, now you do. So. There uh, are many Sudanese people trying to enter the UK because of dangers and violence in Sudan for many seeking refuge in the UK is an essential means of survival and worth the very dangerous journey uh, to get there, a journey many people. In an ODI article titled Why So Many Sudanese Are Prepared to Risk Their Lives to Reach the UK by... Margie Buchanan Smith, in an interview with a migrant from Darfur that took place in 2017, explained they choose to migrate because staying in Darfur means a slow death. Because of this, a quick de- death seems better than a slow one. Um, so the risk is kind of like deemed worth it. Uh, and the reason it's a risk is because a lot of people who are trying to get to the UK, there's some rules associated with asylum seekers that it's they're only able to claim asylum in the place they land so the first place they land on european soil is where they're supposed to claim asylum and there are different countries with different asylum rules and like asylum quality Uh, Mm -hmm. and specifically for sudan there's a lot of like Second, uh, English speakers, so because of the previous relationship with the UK in terms of colonization. Um, so Sudan used to be occupied by the UK. So a lot of people know at least a little bit of English. So it's a little bit of an easier transition. So people are trying to get to the UK, but one of the only ways to get there is through the English channel, which is by boat. And usually those boats are not very good boats, they're little boats Mm-mm. that they're putting a lot of people onto. Um, To try to make this journey, whereas like if they landed in, say, France and then traveled up to UK and could still claim asylum where they wanted to within Europe, um, the journey would probably be slightly less dangerous. But because of like the rules and kind of strictness around this, wherever you land first is where you have to claim um, a lot of people take riskier routes to get Mm. there. Um, but why do people want to leave Sudan? Uh, I vaguely remember learning about the Darfur genocide when I was in high school. Um, that's part of the reason. So specifically, I googled something on Wikipedia, and it said in 2013, the United Nations estimated that 300,000 people had been killed during the genocide. In response, the Sudanese government claimed the number and the death was grossly inflated. But by 2015, it had estimated the death toll stood between 100,000 and 400,000. This was because of like basically war that was taking place. There was an agreement formed between the rebels and the government taking place in this war in 2011. But that did not end the danger. Mm. Um, In addition to Darfur specifically being affected in Sudan, it kind of spread to areas surrounding Darfur. So in neighboring Cardiffan and the Blue Nile state. Um, So kind of if you would imagine, like, there is a lot of persecution and violence happening. In Sudan, people are trying to escape that. It's a very valid and real reason to try to travel somewhere else and claim asylum. Um, So in a study completed by Why So Many Sudanese Are Prepared to Risk Their Lives to Reach the UK article... Um, They provided substantial evidence that there was persistent and systemic persecution, attack, arrest and surveillance, specifically of young men from regions of Sudan, especially if they were from an ethnic group associated with the rebellion against the former dictator, President Bashir. Um, So the article goes on to say that many Darfuris who left Sudan to migrate to Europe had spent much of their lives in camps. Some had experienced multiple displacements within Sudan. They had been faced with discrimination in the workplace, effectively living in a police state. The depths of despair experienced by young Sudanese was striking. Um, yeah, it's
1: it's very much reminding me of, like La Girona with. The the genocide that was happening there and how they were Mm -hmm. seeking out people who they said were, like, a part of a rebellion, even though they weren't. Um, Or, interestingly, kind of comparing this to what's happening in Mexico, too, from the Tigers Are Not Afraid, where that was, like, so much of, like, the women and children. And this is so much of the men that are experiencing that trauma and, like, young boys who, like, get abducted to to be put into those armies. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it seems specifically like ethnically motivated. This is like kind of like if you fall under a certain ethnic group, like you are subject to this. Um, And I think it was really telling. I remember when we were watching the film, uh, Rial had two tattoos that said she was from two different groups so that she didn't belong anywhere, but that basically she could freely travel between and anywhere and be considered safe. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what that kind of like made me think of after reading about it more. Um, but yeah, we kind of touched a little bit on why the UK it's. There are a handful of reasons. Uh, the biggest ones that stood out were the colonial ties, English language. It's an easier transition. But also lots of Sudanese people have already traveled to the UK to claim asylum over the years. So it does kind of lend to having friends or family or people used to know some semblance of home in a foreign land. Um, so lots of people try to travel there because they know of other people who are maybe more established and can help them and like build a sense of community. Hmm. Um but the journey itself is extremely dangerous and the laws make it even more difficult. They in an interview with Darfries in the UK in 2017, they had records claiming that to reach the UK, UK people would travel under buses in the backs of lorries, which Google told me meant big trucks <laughs> uh, and on unsafe rubber boats hmm. um, I know we get a lot of glimpses into the journey over in terms of boat travel. And I remember when watching since I was not yet, you know, educated on the I was like wondering like why boat travel was a specific route that seemed to be highlighted. So it makes sense that they chose to show that because that's what's actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In another article I read on Independent, titled What's Next for Asylum Seekers from War-Torn Sudan by Paul Peachy, it is further confirmed that the journey to the UK is really treacherous. Um, In many ways, it aligns with the deaths we see in the film and how real the trauma and the journey hits those who survive versus those lost along the way. Um, A quote that hit especially hard for me was, some who make the crossing by sea say there's murder and rape on the boats and that traffickers order people to jump overboard to their deaths just to avoid everyone sinking. We've spoken to some who've clung to the bottom of trucks, paying traffickers the last of their money to risk their lives to make the trip. Having faced all that, it's awful that they're treated like criminals here and their claims for asylum are distrusted. So we kind of see this in the film when they first arrive, where they're in a detention center. Those detention centers are real. Yeah. Um, they're kept in hostile like uh, conditions where it's like this kind of pre housing where everyone's kind of in one place. Um, And even once they're offered some form of permanent housing, they're not allowed to select where they want to live. They're given a stipend. They're not allowed to like work. Um, They're kind of like forced into this controlled suspended poverty. Like you can't, when you're not allowed to work outside of the stipend you have, you it, you can't establish yourself in the community, you can't start like, build something for yourself, because you're really being monitored. Not, I guess, the same as like, it would be to be in a police state, but you're being monitored as if you're criminals, and you're really just seeking help. Something else that like kind of stuck out to me that was like, really a bummer. Um Is it like these people really need mental health services in addition to the meager stipends and housing that they're given they need like help with post-traumatic stress disorder they because they've experienced some really real trauma um Mm -hmm. and instead of like looking at them when they're experiencing this trauma and experiencing this post-traumatic stress there's like this criminalization of them This like feeling that like they're taking advantage or there's distrust of them because there's just a there's always been a mental health stigma but it like Especially, I guess, like, because there's this feeling that, like, there's a drain on the resources that are available. It's deeply rooted probably in racism as well. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Well, it's like, how dare you come here and, like, ask for our stuff? Like, ask for more. Like, you're lucky we're giving you whatever we're giving you. Like, you should be thankful. What's Um, wild is no one owns anything. The
0: planet belongs to everyone. Yeah. Before money existed... You just like stuff was free. Like you, you didn't have to pay for the spot of land that you owned. Yeah. So it's, it's very ridiculous that people are like, this is mine. And it's not. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, there's also like that that myth of, you know, that there's not enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like there's not enough to go around. And if we give it to you, then we don't have any for us, which is not true. We have plenty. And honestly, we waste so much of our resources all the time. If we were just, you know, getting over money and, and not focus on profit and instead just gave people equal access to basic necessities, it would be fine.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, kind of like what we were saying in previous episodes, this inherent like human or trash, people are trash element of self-preservation um, and just being very like inherently selfish uh, because they think mm-hmm. it's like the means of survival when, you know, if a lot of people are purposely undereducated, like people don't. Educate their population so they don't realize what's happening. Um, but in another article on the BBC titled "Migrant Crossing: What Happens to Migrants Who Reach the OK by Alice. Aiken, uh, it goes through some of the struggles asylum seekers face, I mentioned some of them, but the amount of money that they're given, and they're not allowed to work is ridiculous. So Mm -hmm. they are given 37.75 pounds per week per household member, which translates to about $51.77 US dollars per week. So like, that is very little money. Yeah, (laughs) like, if you are, you had lost like all your belongings on the journey over, et cetera, like you don't have the basic necessities and you're given such a small amount and not able to work to get more or given mm-hmm. more considering like all of the things that these people have gone through to get here to still be kind of in this like suspended state of reality. That's just kind of like this awful cage,
1: um, yeah, and it's, like, there's also it's this, really like, dichotomous, sad. like, uh, expectation of them where they're, like, you have to be an upstanding, like, citizen and you're the one of the good ones. So, like, behave and, like, mm-hmm. fight for your right to exist here. But also, like, you can't go out and work. You have to live in this one little place. Like, you aren't a citizen. So it's just, like, how can they act or you know live up to the expectations of being a citizen when you're not giving them the opportunity to do so and instead you're setting them up for failure and then being like oh look see it just doesn't work out we tried
0: yeah and there's this super gross of like uh basically trying to like get them to assimilate to british culture or Mm -hmm. uk culture that's like very gross inherently racist and like Very much just like these people had lives before they came here. They should be able to hang on to their language and culture. That's like something that's important to them. It's not their fault that they had to make this journey. Um, If anything, there's some information in terms of like the UK's involvement in Sudan specifically because of previously colonizing it. And also because of uh, the United Nations was in some involvement as well um and trying to like assist with the genocide but they have recently pulled out a lot of their supports too so it's kind of like you set this up for people to be in need essentially because mm. if you were over there colonizing ruining the la- like you know what i mean like that's what colonization is is you take you got all the resources out of that place and set up unstable situations which is something the united states did a lot too um, there's always, like, parts to play, and I guess, like, the UK really should acknowledge their part in creating these situations as well.
1: Yeah, um, and I mean, you know, also, like, here, right, like, setting setting up those things, it, it, and kind of going back to what you were saying about, like, no one, like, really owns this, and also, like, everyone comes from somewhere, it's like thinking of America, like, no one is truly american except for the native peoples they are the ones mm-hmm. who are here first and so anyone else is either an immigrant or like you know a generation of immigrants right like that's how that works so it's, it's absurd to expect n- recent immigrants uh to like adhere to these specific policies or what we deem as american um when that's not really a thing for one because it's people yeah. from all over who do that um, um, and it makes me also think like the the hoops that they have to go through to be here. Um, I know someone who had to go through citizenship, um, when I was younger and he like took the citizenship test. And I remember like him studying for it and the, all the information he had to know. And I was like, I don't know any of that as an American. And like my mom or like other like adults didn't know those answers. Like the fact Uh that we're asking them to like essentially, memorize this very specific representation of our country that our own citizens don't know, inherently. And we're, like, holding them, like, you have to work so much harder to belong here, and we just happen to be born in this place.
0: I mean, nationalism in itself is a form of violence. Um, Yes. So, uh, it's gross, and people should stop doing that. They should stop just, like, thinking... They're the best thing ever when the world belongs to no one. We're all going to die.
1: I mean, it's one planet, you know? Like, Yeah, we only <laughs> we get one. We need to get over it. For sure. And like the f-
0: claim is ridiculous. Yeah, Like you own nothing. She's a planet. Um, your money is an imagination thing. Like it was thought up. But that's all I got for my facts section.
1: All right. Thank well, you. <laughs> well, we also watched stuff. Kat, if you want to tell us what this film is about.
0: Sure. Uh, his House from 2020, a refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn South Sudan, but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. Uh, this is directed by Remy Weeks.
1: Yes. Um, yeah. So right out the, the, the gate, this film um, is a phenomenal piece of social horror. Um, For sure. That yeah. I feel like really encompasses the empathetic power of this genre of being able to put people into the shoes. Like how else would you, you know, show to an audience the PTSD and trauma that an immigrant experiences and also mm-hmm. like that struggle with, you know, keeping yourself, your who you are fundamentally and also reworking that image to fit into the narrative that they need from you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I find that like one of the the best parts of this film is that we, we can find fear in like, you know, the, the spooks (laughs) that are happening on screen, uh, the, the monsters that are hiding in the shadows, um, but also the monsters that we find within ourselves and in those struggles. Um, And it's like that internal battle. Uh, It it does make me think of like, and we'll discuss the ending at the end of this episode. (laughs) So it's relative, like no big spoilers until the end. It will give you a big warning beforehand. But I feel like this whole story tells us um, like a reimagining of the Telltale Heart in that, you know, our choices ultimately haunt us. Right. Um, And we wonder, Mm -hmm. did we do the right thing? And if we didn't, why did we do that thing? Uh, (laughs) So, um, yeah, I feel like uh, Weeks was seeking to tell the story of the immigrant experience, obviously, and and specifically the immigrant experience that is wrought with tragedy, impermanence and loss. Um, It's a very complex issue of figuring out where you're from, where you're going. That's yeah. kind of like the, um, uh, this film was the first in a long time that I was actually genuinely afraid of. Um, there were, yeah. you know, it has like the whispers and creatures in the darkness and fast inhuman footsteps that always get cat <laughs> myself. Um, and I'd even say like creatures that are you know Del Toro like <laughs> in, in their creation of a you know yeah. like the they were scary um, and and even more frightening i think is that battle of morality too um yeah. which is like what we strive for and love in horror um the the film does try to tackle a lot of things and usually in my experience that is a setup for failure
0: <laughs> so yeah. it's like
1: oh you're trying to juggle too much oh so you're gonna let one fail you know like we always say like don't yeah. drop the ball kind
0: of deal hold that yep. one whole, thing <laughs> hold <butt.
1: laughs> uh but Because all the things that Weeks is trying to uh, accomplish are naturally intertwined with one another. They are results of each other. They are naturally, like, ingrained. Uh, It doesn't miss a beat. They all work. Like, I don't think there's not a single thing I could complain about with this film, honestly. (laughs) Like, not a thing. Um, And I find in the story... uh, a yearning to belong to start a new and also that grappling of our identity identity and a reconciliation, um, with the things that we do out of desperation. Um, yeah. which is like the pivotal point <laughs> of this film. Uh, we are first introduced to these characters when they are traveling by boat, uh, to Britain, um, which Kat talked about as, you know, being one of the main forms of transportation. Uh, and it is like, utter chaos, they are taking on water. It is harrowing and, and scary um just in that little journey and we haven't even seen a monster. Um yeah. and when you're watching this, like as a viewer myself, I couldn't help but ask like why? Like what happened back there that they are willing to risk their lives on this rickety boat, like in you know, terrifying waters that are coming like clearly in danger, like something brought them to this point. Um, and after, you know, going over things like tigers are not afraid, it's like, obviously something was happening back there. Um, but even still, like, I don't need to know the specifics. I just knew something awful had to have happened for them to be here and to want it so bad. Um, and so like, I think there was, it's kind of interesting to have that not direct like answer. Like we didn't see before that like you don't get the answers until yeah, much you don't later. get it till
0: later uh-huh
1: and even still you're like i get it i can buy that <laughs> like there's i totally understand because it comes like in small like little trickling um tidbits throughout like we get little hints or we get stories from the characters and then it comes into a big crashing wave at the end so that you realize like what directly brought them here what their journey was right before they got here um but you never doubt for like a moment that something awful happened and that is why they're here because why else would they fight so hard in this like decrepit home to make it theirs uh while they're surrounded by strangers who don't want them there
0: yeah and i think it was this very real portrayal of how trauma is processed and you even have like this because rial's character she's still very much like missing sudan like even with the trauma she's kind of like willing to go back um even though uh he's not like she's kind of has this very like dissociated view of like how it was beforehand and that's something that's really real and how people process trauma Mm -hmm. is you can't process it till you stop running like Mm -hmm. if you're running from a beast you're not going to be focused on the beast so much until you've finished running and you take a pause and a deep breath yeah so like adrenaline yeah you kind of have this like as you said, like slow trickle into them processing finally what actually happened. Mm -hmm. And this very like real, like kind of denial at first, and then like slow acceptance of like how awful... Things kind of were in the journey, and then also the before the like going back unfortunately isn't an option, um, but it like took a long time to kind of accept that and get over that because when you're not there anymore, you kind of have this like nostalgia mm-hmm. um or maybe like misremembering because trauma is kind of the way it solidifies in the brain it messes with how you process your memories,
1: yeah, and so I, mean, I just thought probably- that was done
0: really beautifully.
1: Yeah, you probably also, like, compartmentalize, like, the Mm -hmm. horrific parts and hold on to the parts that were the everyday and the parts that you loved about it because that's your home. That's, you Mm -hmm. know, it wasn't all bad. Like, that's not how that works. And so you kind of hold on to that um, and also, like, romanticize Because Mm -hmm. of where you are now. Um, And actually, so in an article on Collider that I found called His House Director's Ending Explanation Finds Hope in the Haunting by Perry Nemiroff, uh, director Remy Weeks discusses his intention to include the creeping and tantalizing fear trauma can leave you with. Um, So very... Exactly like what you are saying, Kat. Um, he <laughs> says, yeah, and part of the story was the dangers of ignoring it, that you can try and ignore trauma, but the more you ignore it, the more it gets to you. It's more of the emotional, invisible pain of mental illness, which is what I guess the creature more represented. Um, because mm-hmm. I think the PTSD representation in this film was really gut-wrenching. Like In the beginning, when he is having that panic attack, and you are first kind of getting hints of a, a supernatural element, like you reason as a viewer that this is just a personification of him going through this trauma and the stress that he is under of like trying to, you know, h- put on airs and exist in this world and forget what brought them here. Um, and he's having that like whole attack and you really empathize with bowl. And yeah. like long before you even understand what caused this distress, like and why he's being haunted, you are like something is up he is not okay and it's scary and it's heartbreaking um and it it, it really is enough to to realize that he is honestly in pain and and kind of grasping with reality and he's losing honestly Mm -hmm. um
0: yeah it was interesting too like that we were able to root for him too Mm -hmm. like i feel like we don't have that in movies like was it the shining that he goes crazy
1: yeah shining Arguably goes crazy. I would say he was always crazy.
0: Yeah. But I guess like you have that whole, like the whole idea, you're like his house. Oh God, Mm -hmm. he's going to be doing something like, oh no. But like you really sympathize with him, which I feel like I haven't felt in other films as much where like this guy goes like nuts uh, and like, is like really like you don't have this like empathy, I guess as much, at least I didn't um, for other characters that I did have for him. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was really well done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, the comparison to The Shining of, like, your, because they are isolated. Even the fact that they can go outside, they like, what is outside for them? It's just an, an, an extension of their prison, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it does have that kind of what isolation can do when you're left alone with your thoughts um yeah there are just there's a lot of amazing things in this film um which like we have we do not have the time to go into all of them but i'll try my best to pick out all of my favorite parts um one of yeah. the things i really enjoyed was the use of south sudanese mythology and religion um as like grounding these characters and kind of fleshing out what the horrors were, um, because we don't really get to see that. Uh, But there's also, like, this strength in their understanding um, and how, like, those horrors are actually nothing in comparison to the real things that they're suffering from. Um, Rial's story about the Apeth, which is, like, the Night Witch, is um, essentially about how a good man uh, wanted more and then ended mm-hmm. up stealing and then is haunted by this apath because he stole from them. Uh, and it brings about, you know, his own demise. And in any other horror film, if we had a story in the middle of it, that was like, let me tell you exactly what this film is. <laughs> you know, we would be like, Oh yeah. good. You're just on the nose. You're telling us what it is. But this really, I felt was a, a genuine story that didn't feel like it took away from it. It only added to what I was expecting and what I needed from it. And, and I think yeah. her emphasis on saying like, this was a good man who had to resort to stealing. And it's never mm-hmm. like he, beca- she never says he became a bad man. It was like, this is a good man who resorted to stealing and then he had to pay for it. Pay it back. Um, yeah. And so you think while you're watching this, cause she's very clearly saying this to Bull for a reason. And you're like, well, then what did this good man do? And why yeah. are they being haunted by this apath? And it's like it's transformative <laughs> for that because again, yeah. you're you're, you're uh, really feeling for Bowl up until that moment, and then you're like, well, w- what happens? What's going yeah. on here? I I found a real strength in Rial, um, who's played by Winmy Mosaku from Lovecraft Country. She plays Ruby. Uh, yeah. And I, I loved her because she she was not frightened by, frightened by the ghosts or the apath witch, um, and that was really interesting to have a character who does that like and to, to say it was kind of like what I was hoping from in vampires versus the Bronx when she was like I'm Haitian I'm not afraid of vampires uh, I was yeah. hoping that strength would come through there and like the fact that like we ha- like this culture has an understanding of the blending of worlds um, and yeah. so there's like. We're not going to get spooked (laughs) by a little bump Uh in the night, right? Um, And she explains, like, quite candidly uh, that after everything that she's experienced, there is no way that specters are going to frighten her. She's like, you think that? You think I'm going to be afraid of this Night Witch? There's no way. And I haven't seen a character like Rial in horror in a long time. And I honestly can't even recall another character quite like her. Um, I would agree. Yeah because she was really strong but she was also vulnerable um because like you saw that her strength was like she's got to hold up a lot and she is fighting back in her own battles while also trying to support and be this partner and also like hold him accountable and not even knowing what she's holding him accountable for because she's also repressing memories right um yep i think uh one of the truly unsettling scenes with her is when she's lost in the cement labyrinth of this new neighborhood and like comes to you know these three young black teenagers who are incredibly xenophobic like even though she's black they're like go back to africa like we hear our beloved um (laughs) attack the block accents um from these youths uh and they're so mean and you're like no (laughs) trust bruv um
0: i know and it was so heartbreaking
1: um yeah and i I feel like that was a scene that got to me also later when she's like confronting her memories, um, which are very real. Those are really real events um, that happened to her. And that's scary. Like, those are scary things. Way more than like the creeping in the house. (laughs) Like I was like, this is terrifying. And she is really holding it together. Um, And I, I I feel like she was, you know, untouchable. By any of the traditional haunts and horrors because of of all that she's been through and like you know was super powerful in that um also like yeah. you mentioned Kat her explaining the scarifying technique of having both representations of the tribes um was uh-huh. her way of showing that she knows what it takes to survive um and that she will do whatever it takes to conform and exist and not be persecuted um which even means you know leaving your home and stripping away your most personal allegiances um and just like just to blend in and be safe um yeah. so already like we've seen it like we've seen someone have to do it no wonder she's going to understand that people do whatever it takes. Um, later we see Bol, who's played by Sope Dirisu, uh, do something similar when he burns their clothes and, like, uh-huh. all their belongings from Africa. And Rial is, like, upset. She even says, like, this is the only thing I have for my father. They burn the yeah. only item they have of their daughter, Nyagak. And it's, like whoa he is like actively like no this is our past we have to fit in we have to just get rid of that um and we see him later in the department store looking at um the the advertisement of this white family and uh in in the end he buys those items that's how much he wants to fit in um yeah and that actually reminded me of jordan peele's us with winston duke's gabe and how he like bought a boat and he wore like these clothes and he had these like mannerisms because he was trying to replicate what he understood as wealth and it just happened to be like white people wealth right like he was just like playing this role and trying to fit in and trying to feel like he belongs there um yeah, and I would uh, be remiss to not mention the amazing, uh, stunning imagery and cinematography of this film, mm-hmm. uh, which was just like, like, I was in awe the whole time. Not yeah. just of, like, the spooks, but also just the practical effects were really amazing um, and added to that sense of dread and and performance even in that, like, bridge between what is real and what is, like, our trauma kind of, like, seeping into what we're experiencing which is kind of like babadook like Mm -hmm. um in one of the scenes that will remain rent-free in my brain forever (laughs) is where bull is at the kitchen table and he's like angrily stabbing at his dinner with his knife and fork which he's still getting used to using yeah um and we're like slowly panning out and you see like cracks in the the foundation and everything that he has been slowly kind of like hitting at anyway but we see the sky or we yeah. see smoke and we're like what has it always been that way um and as it slowly keeps coming back you realize like no we're not even in the house anymore this is just his house has been cut out and it's now this like makeshift ship and yeah. he's in the middle of the ocean in the stream sequence uh covered in like you know dust and like you know surrounded by orange uh fog and yeah. the the waves that are crashing around him and it's like whoa <laughs> like yeah. what it, What am I experiencing right now and I thought that was so amazing because it is like this like he is just in this situation and it's so easy to like do dream sequences where they're really silly um, especially in horror and this was like that's what trauma does like you, you don't even know it's real um, yeah. and it kind of you're walking this line between realities as they're just like folding into each other uh, in your like current anxiety um I throughout the film, I found things that stuck with me weren't really the creatures so much, although they were super scary yeah. <laughs> um, and like they were like intense, like Niagak and her her mask and like them all coming in like these zombies from their journey um, who, yeah. you know, didn't make it. Uh, and that guilt, that survivor's guilt that you can see personified there. Those were scary, but it was, I think uh, what was truly terrifying was how helpless it it felt um as Bull is like spiralling out of control and losing his like mental stability and there's like one of the most heartbreaking scenes is him um in the social workers office. Oh my god, yeah. And he's like broken down, he is dirty, they even like remark on him that he he doesn't smell too good, um, and he is like at wit's end, like he, he is snapped um, yeah. because he, he's he's at this point where he really is wrestling. Like he knows why the ghosts are there simultaneously is like denying why the ghosts are there. Um, and he is asking for a different house because something is wrong with this one. Um, and instead of compassion or understanding or an ounce of sympathy he is met with like these snide remarks like it's bigger than my house or yeah. you know emphasis on how he needs to be one of the good ones um which is just like every time yeah,
0: like, um
1: and in an article on indie wire uh called his house review remy week's thrilling debut sees the immigrant experience as a horror movie uh by uh writer david elrich he agrees with me on this fact and says Week's conceit works best when shining a light on the most vulnerable members of a society um, are those who can't risk asking for help. Bull is seduced by the promise of a new life only to spiral into a Babadook-like battle against the trauma that followed him across the world. And I think there is a, a strength in, in battling our demons that's mm-hmm. similar to what we saw in, in Babadook in that it is a constant war. It's not like one battle that we fight and then we win. It's like, no, you have to learn to live with it. You have to learn to look it in the face and be like, no, we got to coexist because you're not going away, but I'm not going away either. Um, And and that's really shown in this film in a way that like we don't really see a lot in horror where there's a sympathetic understanding of mental illness that is like persistent um, and not just like a one off thing. (laughs) like it's not a one like a haunting like the garage where you leave the house like it's not that you know it is like Mm. it's following you um Mm -hmm. and i i think like you know showing people ripping at this house and yelling in the face of the haunts and fighting back uh and not backing down was a refreshing portrayal of a of a crumbling protagonist um and even when he is falling apart there's like a, a strength when he finally does kind of give in to this and he accepts and acknowledges his own flaws and sins of the past um that were brought in by desperation. Like he's like, I'm sorry, this is what happened. Um and you know, like you said in the end, can we blame him? Yeah. We totally understand what brought him here. We can't even be mad. Like, I mean we're mad, but we're like, but oh I'm more mad that life put you there, that life yeah. gave you that as your only option uh at the end of it. And I think that is the beauty of this film and the genre as a whole, like what potentially it could do. And it's that, you know, we can have truly terrifying monsters as stand-ins for the monsters who are in our minds and that we can watch a character that looks at monster in the eye and accepts their fate and fights back.
0: Yeah. I mean, Um, this film should win awards. I don't know if it has, it should, if it hasn't, um, And both actors 100% need to win awards because there was like this really powerful, the way Bull's like eyes were whenever he smiled, Mm -hmm. you could see the like visceral pain that he was experiencing. He's trying so hard to just present himself as okay. And you mentioned the scene where he breaks the cup in his hand while smiling, like, yeah, when he's they, laughing. Yeah, they need awards. They all need awards because they're all were so powerful in their acting. Like it was so visceral and like authentic in terms mm-hmm. of just like the emotion being portrayed. And you could see the pain in their eyes. And it was just like fantastic like you believed everything that was happening. You're like, I am terrified, both cause monsters and also just cause this feels so like Ah, <laughs> like yeah. empathy kick in like you're watching this and really like feeling for the people in the film, which is, yeah, everyone should win awards.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you bring up a good point because horror is, you know, notably under overlooked for for awards uh, yeah. and isn't treated in at all seriously. Like we, um, you know, have had outstanding performances by actors in the horror world when we're even just thinking about hereditary um, and with tony collette or us with lupita and youngo um or you know even people giving props to and i i also i agree because i think she did a great job um elizabeth moss and Invi- invisible man and yeah. i think that these two in this film like unfortunately horror does not get you know it's due diligence like people don't pay attention to it it's discredited because of like slashers and such um for not understanding how important and in, in, necessary uh telling yeah. these stories are and and so you know hopefully we're, we can look at a future where that changes and they do take horror seriously because yeah i agree that this is like whew, um, yeah i think it will acting.
0: i think it will because i think our previous generations have been really focused on those road rose-colored lenses um mm-hmm. for processing their own issues slash forcing that kind of view on other people like their everything is okay dance is has always been very <laughs> pronounced uh, where i feel like now we're starting to really look at things and like be honest about them and mental health acknowledgments have gone up i think this is the time for horror because of like Like people finally kind of acknowledging it and looking it in its eyes for what it is. Not everybody, but we're seeing more of it. um, Where people are waking up, I guess, to the reality of things. So I think, if anything, if it was ever going to get recognition in terms of people being like, "Yeah, horror," uh, I think we're getting there. We're like, we're approaching that lens.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's enough, I think, even just to that this was a a project that was greenlit and taken seriously and and that Remy was able to um, create it, right? Like that he was given the opportunity um, that, you know, maybe a few years ago, just a few years ago, honestly, a handful, um, he might not have. And that's yeah. what we see a lot. Like, we're slowly starting to see those stories that people have been, like, banging on the door. Like, hey, let us in. Let us in. We have this story to tell. Um, and so many people being like, oh. Hey,
0: we want <laughs> that's how like people So no. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, um, where's Freddie and Jason? No. Instead, it's like the
0: doctor uh, when she was talking about her daughter. Uh,
1: mm, she's honest yes.
0: about what happened to her daughter. She's like, uh-huh. Yeah.
1: wow okay like, like I don't know how to react to that exactly um, <laughs> um, <laughs> instead of just so. like all I'm asking is for you to listen um yeah. absolutely uh Kat did you want to talk about the ending or do we feel like we've kind of told the story enough that people can just watch it and see the ending for themselves
0: I think people should watch it for themselves honestly because uh, I think the reveal means something mm-hmm. like you know, it really adds to it and it kind of like ties the masterpiece into a bow Mm
1: -hmm. at the end. And I
0: don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, which is rare because usually I just say things by accident all the time.
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) Self-control. And I agree that it's like you really to get the full journey, like emotionally, you need to be asking yourself, what is it? What's going on? What's happening? And I would rather you find out through the characters um than us. And so definitely yeah. watch this film. Highly recommend it. it is on Netflix, um, which is like, oh, we we left shutter for a minute. Um yeah. but a phenomenal <laughs> film. And I, you know, I give props to Netflix for, for housing it. Um and I really hope to see more um for our ratings as we're kind of wrapping yeah. up. Um maybe we could say that if you like it, it's uh fighting your demons
0: that's real I thought of a ridiculous one that we do not have to use but it made me laugh in my brain um <laughs> where if you didn't like it, it's like his house because he's isolated by himself and if you did yeah. like it's
1: our house <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous um no I wanted to be our no house. I know that's it's real I'm funny. just saying it was
0: really funny in my brain and I wanted to say it, but I like yours better.
1: Yeah, uh, and if you don't like it, um,
0: be one of the good ones. Be if like oh, you yeah, don't like good.
1: it. Ugh. Okay, uh, so Cat, for this your tragic tale uh, in the fact section about how immigration works from South Sudan to the UK.
0: Oh, it's big, gross. Um, yeah. Like I get, like we should help, help like asylum should not be it's just people just need to acknowledge the world doesn't belong to them and this like Mm -hmm. sense of entitlement and privilege that comes i
1: guess with being white
0: (laughs) which is what all the gross cringe characters
1: were um all the white characters that you see the creepy you know lady next door um but also what was she doing the little black boys too though you know it was like everyone who had a british accent (laughs) <laughs> we were like, ugh.
0: I mean, they were like, they were, oh, I guess they're not their original colonizers, because other people colonized too. But uh, they're yeah. like one of the big yeah. ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: They did <laughs> it before really it was
0: cool. Oh, uh, gross. Yeah, super gross. No, they did
1: it when people thought it was cool. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: agreed. Uh, yeah, it, um... <laughs> I agree Always that, bad. yeah, that uh, <laughs> the, the way that it, it works for asylum seekers is disgusting and we need to fix that because no human yeah. is illegal and uh, people should be able to leave, especially when, you know, your country is... Probably you know a part of why their country isn't um, yeah. which is unstable. Yeah, and I
0: apologize for laughing. I just do that when I'm nervous or uncomfortable.
1: Oh no! <laughs> so no. I'm like,
0: yeah. whenever anything's sad, I'm like, can't process emotion, <laughs> must laugh.
1: Yeah. So no, 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 totally it's not funny.
0: Genuinely, like, it's not funny. It's it's sad. Yeah, it uh, shouldn't be how it is.
1: Yes. So. Um, what about for the film?
0: Oh yeah it was a masterpiece. It should have all the awards. Um, I was. As you say, it was the first time I had been scared in a minute, too, like, genuinely, like, mm-hmm. by everything. Like, the whole thing was just, like, such a beautiful depiction of horror yeah, in, like, every sense. And I did do a little research on the Apes and, like, uh, Sudanese I guess tradition or like folklore is, is mm-hmm. that would be considered okay um so it, it seems like they might have been accurate i read something on screen right, but i didn't want to give my entire facts section to that because i felt like it would make more sense to talk about like the sad things
1: yeah
0: um but it's also it's like, nice just to like have that education the more you know um but it seemed like it was like really well done really respectful to like the culture it was pulling from really authentic to the experiences that actually do happen to people and just like any i mean anything uh ruby's in. i forget her real name but uh uh, yes uh fantastic like she's great so it was absolutely sounding like yeah i think the series i like had gone into a lot of films like not doing research beforehand. Cause I just want to watch it and see. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to like form opinions before it happened. And I've been so like happy outside of vampires versus the Bronx. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, it's been really great and this film needs to win stuff and I don't know how to make that happen, but if there are ways, it's not fully yes. in our hands,
1: but yeah, I agree. Um, should have got way more. Like I didn't see it on nearly enough top 10 horror list last year yes. i did not see it on enough list um which is so sad but yeah i hope people watch it um i hope people watch our series if you know this is the first one you're watching check out the other ones because um, they're equally heartbreaking and also inspiring um remember to like subscribe review leave us a comment please on itunes um that means a lot to us and is a way it of supporting our nourishment. us nourishment <laughs>
0: It means I could do this as a job. Yeah.
1: So we can keep doing this that we love. Um, So please do so. And uh, yeah, definitely watch this film. And we have two other films in this series before we're wrapping it up to go and take a uh, mental break and do something a little more fun. Still spooky, but a little more fun. Uh, And have some guests involved. So, uh, you know, just yeah check them out and i hope you're enjoying this kind of sad but inspiring journey with us yeah i mean i feel
0: like it's like especially in a lot of our films have been talking about trauma and i think there's something really healing about acknowledging and like facing trauma mm-hmm. so hopefully it makes people feel like validated or just like cool someone's talking about this yeah because <laughs> it should be being talked about uh we're not just like
1: happy fun times mm-hmm. uh but yeah. Well with that being said, don't get married. Don't get married. Delete your, delete kids. your kids. Um or ooh, I don't even want to make it. Yeah, drip. I don't want to make it <laughs> I wanna see what not. happens. It's too sad. Uh yeah. so instead I almost goodbye. did it though. <laughs> I did you know, too. I, was I almost like, did it. <laughs> um ooh. I mean we've <laughs> said we've said some pretty damnable because 'cause we're horror fans, but that's what it's yeah. Gonna, yeah. gonna be. Um but yes. Enjoy and have a good day. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Bye. Too. Bye.